You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends, your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Locked On Browns brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, Apple, Spotify, Odyssey, available in addition to wherever you get your podcast. Today's episode brought to you by the Peacock and Williamson Show, uh, the flagship NFL show here at Locked On. Folks, it's camping time. Uh, The bags are packed. Guys are arriving. It's on uh, the 2021 Cleveland Browns season is officially underway. Um, and we've gotten some first news of the day. I mean, news over the weekend. Uh, Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa uh, out a little bit, uh, you know, with COVID. Um, we've heard some things about, you know, how some of these things are going to be handled. Um, I guess privacy is not going to be a thing as players are wearing bracelets, maybe denotating whether they're vaccinated or whether they're not vaccinated. But uh, fan favorite, show favorite, John Costco going to join us here. We're going to get some thoughts on the offense side of the ball defensive side of the ball we're going to get some bold predictions from mr john costco for uh the summer and the remaining weeks up until i guess it will be september 12th arrowhead stadium browns facing the chiefs john first off um it's been too long um it's time to say goodbye to the wife and kids um it's been great (laughs) um we're limited in what we can give to you um but as the words training camp come about for so many folks like ourselves it also means, um, you know, let's pray for the marriage. Let's pray that the kids remember who we are and the good times that we've given them. And we'll see you all again, hopefully this year, hopefully somewhere mid-February. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, that time is coming upon us where our families do not see us for, for half the season. They, uh, you know, hopefully they had good memories and we had good times. We went to, we got to go to Yellowstone <laughs> Park and Mount Rushmore and, and stuff like that this summer, and maybe uh, maybe they'll remember me fondly for for those memories. <laughs> That's all we can hope for, John. That is all we can hope for. Uh, but like I said, uh, you know, we're going to break it down here a little bit. Um, we'll start on the offensive side of the ball because I, I think this is probably the less of what the actual conversations are going to be as far as the names. I think we're all pretty confident. I mean, you can probably put ten people together and say, you know unless maybe you're talking about offensive linemen, six, seven, eight, nine, whatever the number comes. But I believe the players, the actors, so to speak, are in place for this playbook movie that will be the 2021 Cleveland Browns. But there's so much talk about, you know, now, and again, uh, last year was limited for everybody, but it was limited, uh, you know, and, you know, hamstringing any new regime. We're not going through that anymore. Um, you know, Baker Mayfield for the first time in his life as a quarterback of the Cleveland Browns walks in and 25 plays can be rattled off and there's no, wait, what? Uh-huh, uh-huh, wait, what? Uh-huh. And so many other players are in unison, whether it's the offensive line, whether it's the running backs, whether it's the wide receivers, whether it's the tight ends. So it's not, I mean, I don't know how to say, you know, it, it is about expectations, but it's so much more about, all right. Last year was good. It was groovy. Things started to really gel as the season went on. But, folks, uh, we're in the point here where we're going to need some more. Yeah, and I think the more that you're going to get out of this offense is hopefully uh, Baker Mayfield and OBJ 
getting on the same page because if they can be on the same page and this offense can click at what that the level it was clicking at towards the end of the season last year, it will just take this offense to a whole nother stratosphere with OBJ. It opens up everything else for this offense. Cause he, if you, I mean, I've talked about this ad nauseum with how this, the game against the Kansas chiefs was lost because they didn't have receivers that could separate. When you have OBJ out there, he can separate. You're going to, you're going to shift, coverage over to his side you're going to double team you're going to high low you're going to do all sorts of things that you can to, to try to minimize his impact on the game which then opens up everything else for for the team underneath short deep no matter where it's going so with with obj on the field and if they can click and they can be on that same page and then this offense can fire at the the same cylinders as it was at you know end of last year this this offense will be an elite offense in the NFL because it was it was that good along with this offensive line and Baker Mayfield clicking on on all cylinders, grading as the second highest quarterback in the NFL week seven through the playoffs behind the one and only Aaron Rodgers who won the MVP. So um, if if all that I think could I happen, heard his name once or t- twice over the last few months. Yeah, something something's going on with him in, in Green Bay, but um, it's. If, if, if all that can happen and that's all kind of, it does kind of rest on Baker Mayfield and, and OBJ getting on the same page with this. And, you know, you have to kind of trust that, that Kevin Spansky can figure it out and make, get them on that same page. And, you know, what, you look at the reasons why they couldn't click previously and it was 2019, you had the worst coaching staff in the NFL um, and had no coaching continuity there. And then when you come into 2020 with the COVID season, uh, essentially had no, almost no practice time to, to, to get on the same page in the new playbook. So now they have the, the same playbook. Finally, they can build on things and hopefully, uh, you know, basically pick up from where they left off last year. And I think exactly. I mean, you bring Odell to the fold. You talk about Donovan Peoples-Jones, you know, the maturity and the growth, hopefully that year two will bring him um, something that maybe an Anthony Schwartz can bring. Because uh, you look at it, whether it's with Higgins or with Landry, you know, you look at this like singles, doubles type of, type of hitters. Odell, obviously, Peoples-Jones, Anthony Schwartz. These are guys where you're talking, you know, triples, home runs, threats from anywhere on the field. We know Nick is capable of that. Cream the role that, you know, he's been able to do here. So, yes, expectations. And, you know, the fact that there will be an extra game, we're looking for numbers to rise all around here and it's great. And we'll get to the defense here in a little bit. It's great that you should eventually somewhere in this point have a much improved product on that side of the ball. But you know, these games where it was 28 you know, points in the first half, 30 points in the first half, not so much where you're going to put the emergency break on in the second half. I mean, if this offense gets out and it's just feeling it that day, nothing else is going to matter because the potential is there. If as long as this, you know, you know, this team is running, you know, offensively like the machine it should be. There should be some 40-point outburst just because everything's clicking between play calling and execution. Yeah, I mean, this, you talk about what happened last year in games where they, they had these outbursts, right? But then in every single one of those games, it really it didn't feel like it was quite over because the defense let the other team back in. And, you know, we talk about from an offense perspective right now, but – I think I think this offense has that capability of being like an, a, a Kansas City Chiefs, where they they can they have a they're a threat to score, you know tw- you know twenty points in the first quarter right off the bat and, and really blow the thing off the off the the rocker to to start the game, um, you know as long as as long as everything on paper 
kind of comes to fruition for this team. So, yeah, I mean, I think with this offense, like, and this is why offense drives the NFL now. And you, you, you look at, you know, a lot of people try to hold on to, you know, the, the NFL of yesteryear where, you know, the strong running game and the, and the dominant defenses ruled the day. And, you know, you have, you can have successful franchises with, with that, you know, that formula, but it's not going to get you over the top. I think, I think it, it's pretty clear that you look at the AFC over the past 20 years, Tom Brady's been to the Super Bowl 10 times. You had Peyton Manning get there four times. You had Ben Roethlisberger get there three times. So it, you had the elite level quarterbacks in the NFL consistently making it to the big dance. And it's because of their passing attack. It's not because they had a the strong run game. Yes, they have to have a well-rounded offense and stuff like that. You have to have a run game to be able to salt games away when you have that lead. But the passing attack is what blows you know the roofs off the off the, the stadium essentially and uh, takes the top off the defense and ma- makes makes it hard to defend you. You look at what the Kansas City Chiefs are doing right now and they're obviously going to the Super Bowl yearly and if the if the Baker and the Browns can do that too, it's it's going to be a fun you know fun showdown with that team in in the AFC West. Uh, and you know obviously get to see all the AFC West this year, Week One with Kansas City. Uh, but it's the ability basically to, you know, go almost Mike Tyson style on offense where first and 10 from the 15. Oh, what do you know? Two plays were dancing in the end zone, that type of stuff. And, you know, that's kind of what you're hoping here because playmakers there, not just, you know, out, you know, not just the running backs, playmakers there outside of that position. We're going to flip it up here, right? To the defensive side of the ball here. And this is where John can come in handy. The former Jayhawk safety. John, whatever age you are right now, I could probably use you. Although things are looking better, hopefully, promising, perhaps, for the Kansas Jayhawks. We're going to get back more here. <laughs> Latest Lockdown Browns, your host, Jeff Floyd, with Mr. John Costco. Built Bar is delicious, and everybody knows they have their eight flavors, and they're, every now and then, new item in stock flavors. When you talk to Built Bar flame. They are passionate about their favorites. And if you don't know the Bill Bar lineup by now, well, you're truly missing out. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. So there's something for everyone. As everybody knows, I am a big mint brownie guy. Uh, goes with the Girl Scout cookie taste. Just good. And again, that's one I've actually frozen now and I dropped those in ice cream. So if you're looking for a better way to enjoy your Bill Bar, there is one as well. If you haven't tried all the flavors, best thing I suggest is to order a variety pack. You will get two of each of their bars, so 18 bars in flavor. Most of the bars, healthy, taste good, but the health-wise is probably what you're looking for. 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams net carbs. Head on over to BuiltBar.com right now. Use promo code LOCKED15, LOCKED, all caps, 15, no space. And you'll get 15% off your first order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. John, the news, obviously, of um, Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, obviously going to have to miss some time. I'm not exactly sure what the time away from the team or the facility is in 2021, the way it was in 2020. We knew the way it was. You had his tests, you know, uh, test negative, you know, a certain amount of times before you're allowed back in the building after a certain amount of time. Um, 
but for me personally, and there are a lot of new moving parts on defense, certainly brought in through free agency, uh, brought in through the drafts. Uh, for me personally, um, I think everybody's expectations for the rookies on defense, maybe outside of Greg Newsom, are bolstered up more than maybe they are going to be because uh, the Browns are now in a position where nobody's going to be forced by anything. It's, you know, hey, we want to make sure you're ready, as opposed to years past where it didn't matter. You're a fifth-round pick. We drafted you to be a starting D-end. I know it sounds odd, but get out there, son. Learn it on the fly. Um, <laughs> but there is so much going on here with the p- potential of eight to new starters, you know, whether Greedy starts, whether Greedy doesn't start. I don't even know if we can really consider Greedy not a new starter, seeing as he was not part of the defense at all in any way whatsoever last year. Um, but it's going to be fun to watch because, I mean, you're going to want to wait, want to see how this defensive line works. Obviously, the linebacking core, there's that mix of veterans and, you know, maybe some younger players. You know, where is JOK used? Where is a Tony Fields used? The secondary has a bunch of new moving parts, really good ones, but it doesn't mean you just throw these guys out there and it's going to gel from week one. There's going to be a lot to watch here, you know, over the six weeks of training camp in Berea. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me with the the Browns defense is that Joe Woods does run a, a pretty difficult defense to kind of pick up. It's not it's not this vanilla style defense. They're they're doing double calls out of the huddle. So if they're getting one look from the offense, they're going to be in one call. But if they get a different look, they'll be in a different call. And they they motion, they shift, or whatever. They're they're changing their calls. They're not they're not this vanilla defense where you know there's just one call you you line up and play that. So they're they're doing things to try to adjust to you know game plan wise for you know specific looks they're going to get from that offense. And you saw it last year quite often where they weren't on the same page and that's what kind of, you know, led to a lot of busts in, in coverage. So I think with John Johnson back there as your, as your safety, and he's going to have likely have the green dot on his helmet this year. And, and he's going to be that man to, to keep everything in check and order on the same page. Uh, I feel like you're, you're still probably going to have some miscommunication breakdowns that go along with, you know, being all these new pieces coming together in this, in this defense. But I just feel like, you know, you're, you're going to have a lot better players out there and there's going to be a, a far fewer busts that happen in coverage. So I think for me, from, an, from a defense perspective, is how quickly can they get on the same page and, and gel and, and be together? Because that'll that'll be once they start doing that, this this is that when that defense can be at that high level, which we expect them to be. We, we you know, at PFF, we have this on paper, their second secondary to be the third best secondary in the NFL. That's on paper. That's assuming everything goes right, right? So I don't see that happening early in the season. I think it's going to take, you know, four to six weeks for them to, to kind of really get on the same page and then they'll start clicking. So, you know, from a, from, you know, I, that's the main thing I'll be looking at. And then you look at this defensive line, I think is the next thing. For me, linebacker is not a huge deal. JOK being, you know, on in COVID protocols and stuff like that, I believe it's, you know, I think there's a different protocol for unvaccinated versus vaccinated. I don't know which one he is. Um, I think it's early enough in, in the training camp process that it's not a huge deal. But I think for a rookie, you're probably thinking, all right, this probably sets him back and he's not going to, you know, you can't really pencil him as a starter. I wasn't really penciling him and as a starter anyways. So let's be honest. I don't think anybody truly knows where he's playing yet anyway. So how could he just be put in as a starter? Cause we don't truly know where he would even start. If you say he's a starter, where's he starting? Browns fans have this fascination with him that he's something that he's not, I think. And I think he's, you know, he can be a really good player in this league, but 
I think, I think he's, you know, he's a guy that needs to learn the system and he needs to find a, find a place to play, you know? So I think, um, you know, Browns fans being over the moon with the guy because he's, a, he plays fast and he's a hard hitter and he's from Notre Dame. There's, there's a lot to like about that. Right. But I think, um, you know, this is every, a lot of players in the NFL play like that. So, you know, I look at the defensive line. There's a lot of new additions there. Andrew Billings coming back from, pro, you know, the opt out last year. That's going to be huge for the, their run defense. And then you look at some of the, uh, some of the rookies that they drafted, you know, Tommy Togiai, he's an ox. He's a, beast of a run defender even though he's he's a little smaller than you'd like from a like a true nose tackle type but he could still get after the pass rusher and, and stop the run there you know it'll be interesting to see what marvin wilson can do um i know he was a priority udfa but like he was a guy that and for his first two years at florida state had 90 plus grades for us from pff and then last year you know i, I don't know specifically what happened but he, he ended up being like a 65 graded guy which is obviously not good but you know something made did he was he one of those guys that got COVID early on and this never got his legs under him I don't know I, you know it's tough to say and there's a, I know there's a lot of turmoil that was going on at Florida State and so there's a lot of pieces there's a lot of pieces that on that defensive line I think that can be you know I, I think it can be really improved that I think you know there's some good rotational pieces that just outside from the the main headlines of you know Miles Garrett and, and Jadavian Clowney yeah and when the Browns do these uh YouTube practice shows Look, I, I, you know, me for one, and, and John, you know, for me, it pains me to say this. I don't need to see what's going on, on the offensive side of the ball. Take me through what's going on, on the defensive line. There's a lot of moving parts there. I mean, when you talk about Clowney, McKinley, you're just talking about freak athletes, freak speed at pass rush positions. Um, the secondary, there's just so many of them. And, you know, of course, you know, you cross your fingers, you pray for help, you pray for the best. Uh, so many moving parts there, getting to see hopefully Grant Delpit more and more because the little we got to see last year was just kind of like, all right, kid, we're going to ask everything of you and then some. And unfortunately, it, it went by quickly. Go ahead, John. Yeah, Grant Grant Delpit is another piece. He's probably the most the guy that I'm looking forward to most to watch this this preseason because he's a uh, you know I think we had him like top ten player in the draft last year. He you know he went in the middle of the second round. And he, I think, is what people think that JOK is for Notre Dame, where where JOK played essentially one position, was overhang out in the field, and was asked to play that role, and that's all he played at Notre Dame. He, I mean, he moved around a little bit elsewhere, but generally that was what he did. Grant Delpit, on the other hand, played everywhere. He was deep. He was in the box. He was he was safety. He was on the edge. He was out in the slot covering speedy wide receivers. He was doing it all. And he was super instinctive with it and very good at it. The only thing that really killed his grade at PFF was because he missed a lot of tackles in his, in his final year there. If he can shore that up, I think he's a guy that in my mind was much more instinctive of a player and played just as fast, if not faster than like JOK and was, was a physical athlete out there. So I think if he can be healthy and he can be out on that field and, and provide them with those three safeties, you know, John Johnson, Ronnie Harrison and Grant Delpit out there that could, you know, you can play that big nickel, that dime package and stuff like that that Joe Woods wants to play. Well, and the thing that's great about it is is between the three of them, they all can kind of do everything. Um, yes. You know, So, I mean, you're a quarterback, you're lining up, and they're all within seven yards of the line of scrimmage. You don't necessarily know what anybody's role is. Yes. And, you know, that behooves Joe Woods. That certainly makes it more difficult for the offense. And the other thing is, is, you know, athletes. Athletes who can play. Athletes who can tackle. As many as you can get them and you can find them, you throw them on the field together. 
you'll find a way to wake nobody's ever going to say as a defensive coordinator i need less athletes in the secondary or in the back seven yeah if these if these guys can be on that same page and they can be as versatile as we think they can be like joe woods defense can go to a different level like you look at look at how the tampa bay buccaneers were able to play the kansas city chiefs in that super bowl they they there was not a single play in that super bowl where they lined up in one spot and, you know, you're looking at a, at a let's say a, a cover forward look, and then they played cover forward. They just didn't do that. They were moving those safeties around. You did not know what, if they were going to be in a one high or a two high look. They were, they were, it was every single time that Patrick Mahomes had to drop back the pass, he had to read what those guys were doing. He couldn't predict what they were going to be doing pre-snap. Granted, probably he could predict what they were going to do pre-snap because he's, you know, he's studying that film and he's, he's, you know, he's at a much higher level of reading, reading defenses from a quarterback perspective or whatever. But the thing is, like, they were making it extremely difficult every single time like that. You, you could not say, all right, they're in a too high look pre-snap. They're going to be running a too high look post-snap. They weren't, didn't do that ever in that game. So I think the, being able to do that and, and confuse a quarterback, even if you're making them hold the ball on to just a quarter of a second longer, that that gives time for these guys to – you know, Miles Garrett, Cack McKinley, good Damian Clowney, and then your interior guys, it gets them just that much more time to get to the quarterback and put pressure on him. And every time you get pressure on a quarterback, his pressure rate, his passer rating drops 30 points, as well as his pass, his passing grade drops about 20 grade points. So it's, it spells good things when you're, when your safeties are able to do that and you have the cornerbacks to be able to back it up now with Greg Newsom there and, and hopefully, you know, Greedy Williams coming into his own and, and being healthy finally. So there's a lot of good things that, you know, you can talk about with the secondary and I can go on and on and on about them. As you can tell, John was a former <laughs> uh, secondary player safety. So if, yeah. They don't want to get John going. Listen, uh, I know, I know a thing or two about se- secondary play. I played at Kansas, you know, a perennial powerhouse <laughs> in college football around here, you know. <laughs> but even still, you want to start talking secondary, John Costco. Oh yes, the uh, the eyes and the ears—they certainly perk up. We're going to get to some bold predictions from Mr. Con- John Costco here for the six weeks that we'll have this little summer in Berea before we start uh, settling into uh, Week One, Kansas City Chiefs Week. More coming here. Latest Locked On Browns. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NFL preseason coming soon, kids, and all your UFC and MMA action. For the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the greatest sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. As this is your chance to get into the game as teams start prepping for their runs to the Major League Baseball playoffs. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Well, Mr. Costco, the floor is now yours. Um, whether it's moves, whether it's somebody beating out somebody else, certain players to watch, bold predictions, John Costco. Cleveland Browns training camp 2021 in Berea. The floor is yours, sir. Uh, bold prediction. I, I mean, I don't know how bold these predictions are going to be, but I think that <laughs> um, I think Mac Wilson will not make the final 53. So I think he's a guy that has been a fan favorite for the Cleveland Browns fans. Uh, you know, they love this. I don't, I don't know why, you know, he, he has a, 
Twitter personality or, you know, social media personality that people like or something like that. But, you know, I don't look at that type of stuff. I look at what he's able to do out on the field and what he's been able to do out on the field is not very good. He, he graded <laughs> at a 41.9 last year. Um, you know, one of the worst linebackers in the NFL and, F, you know, having 400 snaps, he wasn't drafted by this regime. You know, he's drafted by the previous regime there. His run defense grade of a 37.7 and a coverage grade of a 49.3 really just don't cut it. You know, you look at Sione Takitaki, who was, you know, drafted higher than him, and he graded at a 67.5 last year. You, you look at Malcolm Smith, who's who's back there, 67.7, who's excellent in coverage at a 74.7. And, and you, you also think about the fact that they're going to be running nickel and dime packages a lot. It's just you're, they drafted a Jacob Phillips, who is similar in types of, you know, in terms of his grade last year. Um, obviously, was not great. But like, I think that's I think that's what they're doing. They, they drafted two linebackers this year, and JOK and and Tony Field. So I think the the writing's on the wall for for Mac Wilson to not make the final fifty three, as maybe some Browns fans might not like. But it is what it is. And before I can jump in here, and of course, you know the signing of Anthony Walker to fill in you know, for BJ Goodson. I think the thing with Mac Wilson is I think. Browns fans love him because he's personable. He interacts with the fans. Um, but personally, I equate this to like when you grew up playing neighborhood sports and, oh, man, we only got seven guys. He, in my neighborhood, John, it was Scooter Siegel. Is Scooter Siegel home? Because now we'll get to even four on four. So we can play basketball. We can do whatever. We're four on four. And I think that's where Mac Wilson comes in. I think the talent of this team overall – has surpassed him. And at this point, the best thing in the world for Mac Wilson is to maybe go somewhere else. And it's not like the league is starved for somebody that can come in and be a fourth, fifth linebacker, or there's going to be teams where, you know, they still value linebackers. This team, it's just not the same for them anymore. As we've mentioned with the propensity to want to play more nickel, want to play more dime. They have better capable players. They would rather have to trust in coverage situations playing a dime linebacker and it's not a, I mean, it's not a knock. And at this point, if you aren't seeing it, you know, your rose colored glasses are what they are. Um, But, you know, I, I, unless all of a sudden he comes out and he's the second coming of Derek Brooks this summer, I do believe, you know, that cast has, you know, been set, so to speak. So that's one, John, take us on down the road. Number two will be that we will see, the Browns base package. Well, I mean, I don't know how much bold this is going to be, but it's going to be. We're going to see. We're going to see three safeties starting for the Cleveland Browns rather than your standard two with the NFL. I don't know if that's bold, but I think I think they have three excellent players that they have to. You put your best eleven players out on the field essentially, and they, their best players, three of them, are in that secondary of, that, of the safeties: John Johnson, Ronnie Harrison, and Grant Delpit, and you're going to see a lot of those guys and they're going to be playing upwards of 700 plus snaps, each of them, you know, and probably, well, now we're in this, you know, know, probably 800 plus snaps. Um, And I think you're going to see a lot less of those linebackers on the field. Everybody's been talking about how bad the linebackers are for the Cleveland Browns, but they just aren't going to matter this year. And when you have, because, because when you have the second day that they have and you have guys that can tackle and cover, stop the run and you can fill them into that box. 
it, it's almost not going to matter, especially when you have a, a an improved defensive line. And we've talked about these guys. You know, Tommy Toe, yeah, is a stud run defender. Marvin Wilson, if he can, if he can be that, he can be a solid player there. But Andrew Billings coming back, he's a, he can stop that run. He can fill multiple gaps and help you be in those advantageous packages with multiple safeties and multiple cornerbacks. So I think you're going to see. And like I said, I don't know if this is super, this is not super bold, but it is a prediction that I'm going to say that you're going to, those guys are going to come out and they're going to have a, uh, an actual starting, starting, you know, lineup depth chart that the Browns website is going to put out there and it's going to list three safeties. Four, two, five, four, Four, two. But here's the thing. And, and, you know, we've talked about this in the past and we've all known what Joe Woods is pretty much. He's basically spoken that this is what he was hoping to do. The Avenue he wanted to go to. If it's a difference between being six foot one and change or six three or two twenty-five and maybe almost two forty, there is no difference. Give me the faster athlete, give me the smarter athlete. And if he tackles just as well as the guy who weighs two thirty-eight, but he's not as fast as the guy who's two twenty-eight, it doesn't matter. Athletes upon athletes, that's how you win. That is where this game is headed, whether a purist or not, whether you like it. Uh, you know, that's another thing and maybe more towards the NBA where it's, you know, athletes on athletes, but I guess, you know, different sports though, because they actually play defense in the NFL, which puts you on the spot here, John third one, what you got for us. Does, does it have to be only a training camp prediction? I think John, you, John, know, you are a big time guest. You are a long time guest of locked on Browns. If anybody wants to call an audible, you are more than welcome to call an audible. I'm going to call an audible and I'm going to say miles Garrett's going to get it the defensive MVP this year. That's going to be, he's, he's prime and ready for it. He finally has a defense around him that will allow him to fully unleash his pass rushing prowess and get him into the near 20 sack mark. And when you get to that near 20 sack mark as a defensive end, it's very, very likely to that you're going to be getting that at defensive MVP and he's going to supplant the great Aaron Donald in pass rush grade this year that is my biggest bold prediction because if you won't know anybody that follows pff and knows aaron donald has been the king of kings for five years now reigning of the highest graded defensive player highest graded pass rusher it depends doesn't I mean regardless of position uh, and i think that you know, with Aaron Donald, he's now over 30 years old, and Miles Garrett finally on a on a defense that can can allow him to just unleash his ability and allow him, you know, with a better secondary to allow him to get those sacks and to get just to to make it home that much more quickly. I think it's going to be spelled good news for Mr. Miles Garrett. Oh, I, I I couldn't agree with you more because I think now the fact is, and we saw this for the last couple of years with Miles Garrett. Everything about playing against the Browns defense was, okay, there's 95. But now all of a sudden, Miles Garrett basically went to a pickup game where he's got a bunch of equals. You know, John Johnson is a fantastic safety, as we've learned. The thought for Grant Elbert is there. Obviously, Denzel Ward has stepped up there. I don't want to actually diss Denzel Ward here because he's probably been on that plateau as well. But now it's a question of, all right, well, we got this. We got this. All right, all right. Well, wait, we're going to put two people out here, but there's Clowney and McKinley on the field. And here's um, Malik Jackson rushing from the interior. I think it's a point where Miles Garrett's just going to get 
more one-on-ones than he's ever saw. And, you know, whether or not the Pittsburgh Steelers want to label Ben Roethlisberger as fit showing up to camp, just because you lost some pounds and you're not as heavy as you used to be, doesn't necessarily mean you're fit. And yeah, as anybody knows, um, you do not regain that mobility. After, once that's gone, that's gone. That's over. And, you know, games of that nature. Um, so I like it, John. But go ahead. Th- th- think about this. In the playoff game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, they were starting Robert Jackson and MJ Stewart and Sheldrick Redwine and Andrew Sandejo. No, Andrew Sandejo was, was on uh, COVID, right? So he, no, he played, worked out he, as well as it did. Really, all those guys, that's who they were playing in the secondary because they have because of COVID and injuries. It's a cover band. It's not an original band. Those guys are all cover band play guys. Those guys are not starters in this league. They, they, they're good rotation pieces, backup pieces that you need to f- fill in, you know, a handful of plays a game. They're not starters in this league. And they had to start them in a, in a playoff game that they won. That's who Miles Garrett had behind him that could try to slow down a passing attack. And that. You missed John's eyes roll as he said that. Literally, as his eyes rolled as he said to slow down the passing attack. It's it's a, it's that's what one thing that people don't. I think what when when you look at a broadcast copy of of the game when you're watching this game live and you don't get to see what's going on in the secondary because they're always focused on the offensive line and the quarterback and all you see is when the quarterback has thrown the ball, the ball is getting to that to that receiver, you only see what's happening at the catch point. You don't have, you don't see ever what happened prior to that catch point or when a a defensive player gets a sack, like an edge rusher, what happened in the secondary to make that quarterback hold onto the ball a little bit longer. It all works together. If those guys uh, in the back end can't, if you can't trust them to be a press man to slow those releases up, it, then it, then these receivers have a free release to get open. So especially if they're running a 10-yard dig, imagine trying to run a 10-yard dig when you have somebody in your face trying to jam you and you have to get to your spot. It takes a little bit longer to do that as opposed to having a free release with nobody in your way and you just run your route. There's a big difference. I think any you know, to, when you have a guy that can press you or you can just slow you up like that, which the best secondaries in the NFL do, it allows that pressure to get to home. You look at it from – and this, you see this year in a year out in the playoffs that happens where a couple of years ago you had the Kansas city chiefs against the Patriots where you know, the, the, the Kansas city chiefs had the number one pass rushing defense in the NFL. The Patriots were middle of the pack, but they had a top secondary in the NFL. And what happened? Mahomes was under pressure 50% of the time. Tom Brady was under pressure 15% of the time. And Tom Brady won that game because, because the, the New England Patriots, knew that they couldn't they they couldn't stop their receivers no this was this was a couple years ago this is a couple years ago still so when when because the the chiefs defense didn't have good secondary they had a really good pass rush but if you have receivers that can beat your 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 secondary it really doesn't matter what that pass rush does because your quarterback can get rid of the ball in 2.5 2 point under 2.5 seconds that pass rush rarely can get there that quickly. So especially if you have an elite level quarterback like a Tom Brady who knows where to go with the ball and how to get rid of it that quickly. So it all works together. And now Miles Garrett has this a secondary which on paper, you know, what we have is the third best secondary in the NFL. I think eventually they can be that, especially by the end of the year. And that's when you hope that Miles Garrett is then turning it on and has more time to get to that quarterback. So it, 
things are going to be looking good for this defense in general. And I think Miles Garrett's going to take big advantage of all the new additions. And, you know, two things here from John's point of emphasis is, you know, Miles Garrett now and to his himself stated basically that he was slowed towards the end of the year. He was not himself. Um, so you equate that in and you put that in and you put it in along with the fact that this is on paper. The Brown secondary is the third best in the NFL. Um, could get much better when you start getting all of these, you know, start to put together a band of great musicians together. You get great around great. Sometimes it equals more great. Um, he is John Costco, uh, PFF senior analyst. Um, you guys do a great job over there breaking it down. Um, it's always going to be something I love to do. A number one, I love having John on the phone on the show. I love talking ball with John. Um, but I know, and you know, a lot of you listeners here to the show appreciate the epi- uh, the episodes with John. Appreciate the feedback as far as the PFF correlation to the week in week out. Uh, it'll be 17 this year. Still gets so weird to say that 17 games, right, John? It's going to be 20, isn't it? It's going to be more than 20. It'll be more well, than 20, hopefully. Is yeah. it 21? Is it 21, you well, Yeah, well, I mean, as I keep telling everybody, John, yeah. I don't care about week one versus the Patriots. Uh, I mean, the Chiefs. I'm a little more concerned about week 21 versus the Chiefs. Yes. That should be where it's at. And hopefully, for all you Browns fans, that'll be played in first energy. Make sure you're following at John Costco three. Um, I always appreciate the time, uh, the conversations, and these will pick up here. We got stuff to talk about. We got ball to talk about. It's just that time of the year, kids. Uh, the show itself, like again, iTunes, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you are subscribed or following Locked On Browns, which is becoming a new trend here with some of these podcast apps. Five star ratings, written reviews. Do appreciate you guys for all of that. Uh, me personally at Jeff. Uh, underscore LJ underscore Lloyd, uh, the big beautiful check mark over there is where I'm now all fancied on the bird app. What? The on, yes, the Locked On Browns Twitter account. Um, follow back account, as you guys all know, closing in on 10,000 followers over there. Let's continue that. To the young lady here in New Jersey, I met today rocking the Baker Mayfield jersey. Uh, got stuck for a little bit. We don't see a lot of that here. Um, and yes, I did put the picture up on Twitter. Um, and so in to the Browns is this young lady. She named her 22-month-old daughter Baker. So chef's kiss to that. Uh, this has been your daily delivery of all things dog pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.